Passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right, get ready, Locomotive FC fans. Head coach Mark Lowry joins us for our weekly chat on the phone lines as the Locomotive did it again. Uh, able to get that big win over New Mexico United. Another sold-out crowd out at Southwest University Park. Coach, welcome back. And uh, how are you enjoying uh, a little cool weather in El Paso these last couple days? I'll tell you what, Steve, this weather has been fantastic these last two days. It's been it's been a nice change, hasn't it, for all of us? It's been the greatest thing that's <laughs> happened in months. I'm not going to lie to you. Yesterday when and this morning when I went outside and I felt it a little cool, you probably put on your sweatshirt for the first time all summer. Uh-huh. And, I mean, hey, I hope this is actually a sign that fall is coming. I agree. I, I think we've broken those 100-degree temperatures now. We can actually... Enjoy being outside a little bit more. Yep, no doubt. So as much as you enjoy the weather we've had the last two days, let's talk about that win on Saturday over New Mexico United and just how big that was for your club. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, you know, every game we play against New Mexico are always good games, and it was nice for us to put a performance together and get the result at the end that we felt like we deserved. You know, that doesn't always happen, but uh, last Saturday was one of those games where, you know, the guys stuck to the plan and, and they end up getting that, that winning goal, I think, is in like the 88th minute, so there's a nice bit of drama there for the fans that are in the stadium. And all in all, I think everybody went home happy. You know, you outshot New Mexico 21-8, to um, and yet of the eight shots, New Mexico had five raw on net. You had four on net, but ultimately mm-hmm. it's the final score that matters. I know you love the outshooting uh, your opponents, and I guess the key now, if you had to, if you had to gripe about anything on this on the uh, score sheet, would be just to start getting more uh, shots on net uh, as opposed to just shots in general. Yeah, that, that's true, yeah, and we looked at that this game, you know. But when you look, they actually blocked nine of our shots, so we wow. had nine of the shots that were going on net. They blocked it. So when, when, you, when you factor those in, I mean, that's good defending on their part. But, you know, we've been critical of our guys of not hitting the target enough for the last few weeks. But actually this game, it was more of a case of New Mexico were throwing bodies in the way and, and, and really defending with their lives and obviously defended well to, to restrict us to four on target. But those nine that were blocked were going on target as well. So a little less critical of the guys this week regards to the shots on target. But, 21 shots is always good. Out shooting the opponent is always a good sign. It kind of shows that you were the team that kind of had the, the, the best territory and the best advantages throughout the game. So, you know, we look at those stats with, with some pride. And, and it was good, like you say, 21 shots to eight, and we actually got the rewards of the win in the end, you know? You're right. And you take those headers away, now we're talking 13-5 to five on goal, and that's a, as, as lopsided a, a stat as you're ever going to find. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's right. Now, how rare is it when you see um, a player uh, redirect a ball into his own net? It happened, uh, it was the equalizer with Austin Yearwood um, scoring into his own goal in the 60th minute, which knotted things up at two in the second half. And uh, you tell me, Coach, is that one of those things that just happens uh, you know, once or twice a season? Yeah, those things happen once or twice a season. Um, and I think it happened in this game because of the amount of just the amount of balls we're putting in dangerous areas, the more, you know, it becomes a little, uh, just about percentages, you know, the more you put into those areas, the more you give the defenders problems, the more likely things like that are to happen. So, yeah, it will happen a couple of times a season to every team, and we got a little bit of fortune with that one. Um, but, you know, good play leading up to that good ball in from Omar into the middle zone and, and put them under pressure to where they, you know, they, they, fortunately for us, he ends up kind of slicing it into the back of his own net. But, you know, a goal's a goal, and, and you take them, and, and, and you run with it, and you're happy when they come. And Yeah, so, yeah, it'll happen a couple of times yet to everybody. How happy were you getting uh, Mac into the scoring effort, uh, getting the first goal in the first half on Saturday? Yeah, you know, he's not, he's not a guy that scores a lot of goals, you know, from his position and just in general. You know, he's more of a, an assist guy with his crosses from wide areas. But, you know, we've got a little good thing going. We've set pieces right now, and, and it was Brent, a couple of weeks ago, and it was Macca this week, and long may that continue. But he was definitely happy with it. It's good for the fans to see these new guys scoring and, and contributing to the team. I know you're happy because um, you know another great game for Dylan and then Omar Salgado. You know he sets up the game winner. He had the ball that was redirected into the net from Yearwood. So uh, it's what you want. You want your playmakers making plays, and it seems like we're seeing more and more of that uh, from from Mares and also from uh, Salgado. Yeah, you know Dylan team of the week 
you know, um, he had a great game. I think Dylan, with Dylan, it's he creates so many chances, you know, for everybody. And, and, and he's just his body of work throughout the 90 minutes, the work he does defensively for the team goes unnoticed as well. So Dylan, Dylan's been putting in some great shifts, some great performances for the group, and good for him to get the recognition and get the winning goal at the end. And then, you know, Omar, you know, he had a couple of, couple of good assists this week. Um, you know, we know he has that capability, you know, when he gets into those areas with his pace out wide, his, he, has, he has that strength to, to, to really cause problems to the opposition. And he came through two, two big moments for us, particularly the, the, for Dylan's goal at the end. Big moment, big play on the outside from him, and, and he got an assist on that one. So, yeah, when your attackers are combining like that and contributing with assists, with goals, you know, we know Aaron's always capable of scoring, and we've seen Nick and Chapra and, and those guys even further back them out this season, putting in goals and, and assists for So to have everybody kind of contributing to the cause you know we're not just relying on one person to create or score for us it's it bodes well for us for the rest of the season it's a good sign of of what we're trying to achieve as the group uh, as a group in terms of our attacking philosophy and how we want to go forward what was that locker room like after the match it was good it's always good after a win you know we've got a group of guys that, that really do love winning games of football um and they hate losing games of football so Whenever we win, particularly, you know, when it, there's a little bit more on the line with it being a rivalry. You know, there's always a little bit more of, of, of that excitement after the game and, and that emotion in, in the locker room and just just general happiness just, just to win a game. And like I said, we've got a group of guys that some of them live for it. Some of them live for winning games of football. It means more to them than anything. So when we do get the win, the locker room's a good place to be. The music's on, there's dancing, there's singing. And, and for an hour or so after the game, you can really enjoy being together and without the pressure of a game or, or, or training day or things like that, you, you can really enjoy being together. And it's, it's probably the best moment and it's probably the, the best part of the job, to be honest, um, well, after a game, after a victory, that just, just that hour or two, it's, it's special. Things just got it more and more interesting in the standings, too, because now there's just two points separating the two of you. You've got a game in hand uh, from New Mexico. And I guess it's a good thing that the uh, defending champs, the Monarchs, are uh, in such a big hole early on because they've won their last two, beating Colorado Springs and Tacoma. But still, you've got an eight-point lead on them uh, for second place. Yeah, there's an eight-point gap. Um you know, if we take care of our business over the next six games, that that should be too much for Monarchs to make up. You know, and then going into the New Mexico game, that was a big motivation for us. You know, we, we spoke about it as a group. Look, if we can win this one, that puts us within two points in a game in hand. Kind of puts things back in our control. You know, the top of the group is our goal. It's our objective. I mean, it's, it's everybody's objective at the end of the day. Everyone wants to finish first, no matter what you do. So that was a big thing for us going into the game, making up that ground and keep getting the game in hand and, and limiting, restricting their lead to two points. Um, and we know we've got six games left, and, and if we can pick up enough points over the next six games, it obviously puts in a good spot for the postseason, you know, in terms of getting the class. But for us now, we really want to continue picking up these points, even though San Antonio will be a tough game on Saturday. If we make sure we get some points out of it, and then we've got a three-game week, which we're looking forward to. If we can come through this next three games with, you know, seven to nine points, I mean, it really puts us, in contention for, for first place and, and a good seeding for the playoffs. Mark Larry uh, talking uh, locomotive FC football here with us on Sports Talk as we continue. Um, we've talked a little bit about Dylan and about Omar, but who are some of the other players that you were really uh, proud of on, on Saturday with that performance? Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was Chapa's best game for us, believe it or not. I thought that was... I know Chapa scored a couple of goals a few weeks ago against Colorado, but that was Chapa's first real good performance against against what I would consider a top team. You know, um it was the first time he's played and really performed against against one one of the better teams in, in the USL, you know, which New Mexico are. So it showed for me his progression as a player, you know, he's not just playing in those games now against, you know, no offense, but the the, the mid table to lower table teams. He's now able to come in in a real kind of high pressure environment, you know, a rivalry game, needing to win. And then I thought Chapa that for me was his best performance for us as a locomotive player. Um, I thought Richie was great in midfield. And when you look at the back line, you know, the contributions of, of the back four and, and how they're coming together now, you know, even with the new players coming in, Macker and Brent really showed a lot of maturity on their part to, to look like a real strong back four, but they haven't actually played together that long. So 
I thought all round a great team performance. But you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to look at what Chapa did in midfield, and even Brian in midfield. That you know, it's a new position for him, but he's getting better each game in that position, working down the right side with Maka. It was exciting. But yeah, for me, Chapa, that was his best performance as a locomotive player. And that might surprise some people because he didn't have a goal or an assist. But we look, we look much further than that when we look at performances. And I thought Chapa was tremendous. Once again, you come out flying in the second half. You outscore United two uh, two nothing, and you get the win three to two. So, as good as you are offensively, uh, defensively it was a much uh, different situation in, in the final uh, forty five plus. And and again, we've talked about this week after week. I don't know what it is about second half adjustments, but it always seems like the team comes out energized, flying all over the place. And uh, over these last you know four or five matches, uh, it just results in a big W. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I can put my finger on why either. It's not something we speak about. I mean, we want to start off the first half well, and and, and I think we do. You know, I don't, it's not that our first half performances are bad. I think I think we're a team that you know, and we're a coaching staff as well. That you know, you get a good look at the opposition in the first half, and you can make those tactical adjustments or whatever that might be at half time to give you that edge going to the second half. And you know, being two one down at half time, you know, you have to come out all guns are blazing, you know, and, and throwing the kitchen sink at them. So you have that, you know, that, that, that desire and motivation going into the second half. And, yeah, it was a great performance. Second half, I thought, I thought we, were, we were incredibly strong. And, and I've had a couple of people say that it was probably the best half of soccer they've seen um, from us. And, and you know, I, I agree at times we looked really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing for the group. I think it's a good thing. It's a good sign for the team that we're – a team that can, can get through a full 90 and, and, and even, you know, get better later on in the game and has that willingness to keep going and, and you know, scoring some late goals is always a good sign. It shows that shows we've got resilience. It shows we're able to adjust, you know, just at half time. And I think it's a credit to the guys that they're able to do that and come out in the second half with that energy um, and that intelligence. It's, it's, I think it sets us up to be a really good team. More with Mark Lowry in our weekly chat, but first let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. We we'll continue our conversation with Locomotive Football Club head coach and uh, a technical director Mark Lowry as uh, we continue here on Sports Talk. So uh, this weekend, big big matchup, San Antonio doesn't get any easier. They've been having a great season, coach, and uh, they are uh, leading their group. They've got eight wins so far. Um, and that's going to be a terrific battle coming off this New Mexico United win. Uh, as you look a little bit at New Mexico, uh, at uh, San Antonio, and what they've done well so far, what's been uh, the secret to, to their success? Yeah, they've, they've obviously had a good good year so far. You know, the, the, the group in their in has probably been favorable for them, I think. Uh, but that they've put together some new pieces this year. There's a new coach, and they're a very different team to last year. Um a lot of new players are, you know, almost from from you know one to eleven on the field uh, is different to what they had last season. So you come up against a group that's kind of unknown. I think that's played a lot. It, that's been favourable for them this year. You know, they're they're an unknown commodity in many ways, um, and they play a slightly different style than last year in terms of they they do they do a very much a man for man defence all over the field, which is not that common in in football. So. When you haven't come up against that very often, it can kind of throw you off off your game a little bit. You know, it can it can affect your rhythm as a team. Um, so it's going to be interesting for us coming up against it because we've never come up against that before. It's obviously working well for them so far this season, but we've got some things up our sleeve. We worked hard this week to try and counteract that man for man defense they do to try and create moments for us where we can get the advantage and, and create overloads over the uh, in, in certain areas of the field. So. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's a tough game. You know, they're coming in full of confidence, obviously undefeated. Um, but that gives us motivation. That gives us motivation to go make sure they get a one in that in that loss column. That, that's kind of what we want to come out of this weekend and, and keep us kind of rolling towards the top of our group. You play a style that nobody else plays in this league, and that's been uh, a big secret to your success is the fact that uh, you, your style is so perfected and it's uh, it's so good, especially uh, you know um, from top to bottom in each match that teams have a tough time with it. Why do you think we don't see more clubs uh, in this league that play man-to-man style? It's a good question, um, and I'm not too sure. I mean, I wouldn't even say I mean, world football, Steve, honestly, there's there's only one or two other teams that I know 
in world football to play it. You know, San Jose Earthquakes do it in MLS, and they had some success last year with it. I think it's a style that off the bat can bring you a lot of success. Maybe you get, you get a season where teams really don't know how to handle it. But just like any style, eventually teams figure it out, right? And if, if, if you can figure it out, you can also really exploit it, really exploit it, because it, it's, it can leave a lot of holes and a lot of gaps all over. But if you can drag their defenders, because like I said, they'll go man for man. If you can drag them into areas they don't want to go into, that can leave a lot of spaces to be exploited. So it, it does have its cons as well. And I think the more teams play against it over the course of the year or into year two, year three, I think teams start to figure out how to handle it and then kind of turn it on its head and, and, and then beat it. So I think it's a style that, that immediately can bring you some success because it's, it's, just, it's just not common and it can catch teams off their guard. But I think over the course of time, that kind of flips a little bit. And I think, you know, San Jose this season, you know, they're not, they're not getting the results they got last season. I'm not sure if that's because of the style. Teams, like I said, have figured it out now or there's other factors in that. I don't know. But it's an interesting way of playing. I respect it. Um, it's used a little bit more in South America. You know, uh, it's not very common in North America or Europe even. So it'll be good for us. I mean, it's a good challenge for me as a coach, a good challenge for us. As a group. We're excited about it because we're, we're playing against a different team, right? It's not your Colorado, Monarchs, or New Mexico um, little round robin that we got going on. It's, it's a different, yeah. different um, outlook, different proposition for us. So we're, we're looking forward to it. Do you believe that when you stack up your club against theirs, man for man, and you look at your midfielders and your attackers and your strikers, that you, you have guys that are easily capable of beating their man and as a result having an opportunity to, uh, to get shots on net and, and, and get some goals? Yeah, I do. I do. Like We've done some good work this week. We've got, we've got enough pace and intelligence throughout the team to, if we get our positioning right and our movements right. To, to exploit the spaces that we can create. Um, yeah, so I, I think we do. Um, you know, San Antonio will be confident coming here because they're unbeaten. They've got good players as well. But, you know, we have to be confident going against them because we're on a good run ourselves. Um, we're winning games ourselves. And, and it's going to be a really good game. And, and like I said, it's, it's a game that we think we can get some success in. We've got a bit of a plan to, to use certain players to our advantage. And we hope the guys can execute it. You know, you were supposed to play uh, Colorado Springs, um, I guess it was last week, and that game was pushed to the end of this month. So now uh, you're going to be in that uh, potential, you know, uh, three-game-in-one-week uh, shot starting with San Antonio FC. So you get Colorado Springs next Wednesday and then uh, Real Monarchs uh, a week from Saturday. So I would imagine that when you start to go into your lineup and how you're going to approach, uh, especially these these next three games, uh, we're going to start to see uh, a little bit more from your roster because you're going to need to uh, give players that, that haven't seen uh, as much action this season uh, more of an opportunity since uh, you're, you're playing so many minutes over the next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's a juggling act. It's a, it's a balancing act in getting these three lineups right because they're all hugely important games. I mean, those conference games against uh, Monarchs and Colorado—they're they're, six-point games. You know, the six-point swings really um, in terms of those games. But then, you know, San Antonio. I know that they're they're an out-of-conference game. Um, them winning doesn't necessarily affect our group, but it, it's it's points that we want, and it's. It's a team we want to beat. You know, when when anybody that's unbeaten comes to your home, comes to your house, you you want to you want to put the beating on them. So we're seeing them all as three huge games and three games that we want to win. I mean, there's not one that I'm looking at and looking at resting players or or picking a lineup to to save some guys for the next game. I mean, I'm going to pick three lineups for these games that we expect and 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 put put that kind of responsibility on ourselves to go win it. Put that pressure on ourselves to go win it because you know. We've got to beat Colorado and Monarchs to wrap up the postseason berth, but then we want to beat San Antonio as well because you know we're looking again. We're looking to try and get first place in the group, so those three points against San Antonio will be massive for us. So it's a difficult week, you know. It's it's one that we know will be challenging, um, but it's one that we're looking at just one game at a time. Um, I haven't looked too much ahead of San Antonio yet. I have an idea on a couple of changes I'll make for the Colorado game between those two games, but. You know, we're, we're, we're desperate to go and get three points against San Antonio this weekend to to push ourselves towards the top of that group.
you also have these three games at home. And the fact is, you had uh, double the crowd Saturday, what, 1,500 sold-out crowd, very into it. And that's exciting, too, because the atmosphere is good. Um, and that home field advantage, you need it because uh, your last three matches are away from El Paso. So this is really an opportunity to try to uh, collect those nine points and, and go streaking into uh, Albuquerque on the 26th of this month. Yeah, that's right. Um Home games help. You know, you don't have the travel of a three-game week away from home, which helps with recovery and, and rest leading into games. You know, fans are starting to kind of fill up the stadium a little bit more now, which which obviously really helps. Um, and you do, you know, naturally, you're just better better team when you play at home. You know, we have a decent home record, and we're confident whenever we walk out at the ballpark that we're going to get the win. And, you know, there's three games, like I said, on, on the court. If we can get seven to nine points from these three games, which is going to be our goal, then, then it really does set us up for that final week. Um, and you can kind of start, you know, looking ahead a little bit to what playoff seeding and bursts and, and, and opposition might look like in those next rounds. So it's a week that if we can do our job, do the business, get seven to nine points, you know, come out of it unbeaten, um, it'll be massive for us in our hopes of, of, of going forward into the postseason. Enjoy the conversation as always, Mark. Thank you so much and look forward to uh, the next time we get to chat uh, next week where we'll find uh, at least a day in between all these matches or we can uh, talk a little bit again and, and preview the weekend. Thanks, Steve. Look forward to it. Mark Lowry, our weekly chat, talking uh, El Paso Locomotive FC uh, here on Sports Talk. We'll come back with more. Stay with us. Uh, Sports Talk continues after Adrian Ochoa and this news update here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. As uh, we continue here on Sports Talk, Steve Kaplowitz, Adrian Broadus, and this man. Welcome back, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Man, I'm not going to lie to you, Lee. I didn't know if we were going to do this with you this year because I didn't even think we were going to have football for a while. And then all of a sudden, here we are. NFL starts tonight. College is already underway. Uh, it's like everything is right in the sports world right now. Put it this way, Steve. It got so bad. There were three or four times that I told the wife, if there's no football, we're running a motorhome, putting the dog in the motorhome with us, and we're just going to travel on the United States for two months. So... I was looking up motorhome rentals. Uh, it was definitely on my favorite this summer. Watched a lot of uh, TV with a family, a lot of different series that I'd never done before. But uh, I'm ready for football. I, I think it's going to be a different season, but I think we'll just embrace what, whatever we have. And I'm pretty sure we're going to finish the NFL season. What's the, your favorite uh, TV show that you've had a chance to binge watch uh, during the pandemic? You know what? There was a five-part miniseries called, called Outcry. You ever hear about it? Mm -hmm. No. So I believe it was on Showtime. It was released maybe six, eight weeks ago. It's a true story about a kid going from his junior into his senior year in a mm -hmm. suburb of Austin, Texas. He has three Division One offers living with a family because his fa I believe his father had some debilitating, debilitating sickness and had to be in the hospital or some type of rehab home, and his mother had to go somewhere else to, to, to find work. So he lives with another family, and he's accused of sexually molesting a boy uh, who was staying in that, with that family who ran a, uh, some type of, of home for... For, for young kids, I guess, you know, I think it was like uh, a four-year-old. So, and it's a true story. talks about the the trial, and it will just blow your mind. Five-part miniseries called Outcry. I'll have to check that out. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. That sounds good. Now, have you and, watched and Not only you, is it yeah. riveting when you find out what happened uh, in, the, in the closing credits, and then you Google each of the eight or ten main characters It'll 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 blow your mind. Wow! Is it on Netflix? Where'd you watch it? Or'd you watch it on Showtime? It's on Showtime. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got to I got to I got to look for that. Outcry. You said. Outcry. Right. Very nice. And I watched. And now, I watched a. We're talking about a lot of stuff. I mean, Ozark. I thought was very good. What would you say the best thing you watched? 
Oh, I, I'll tell you right now, nothing's better than Cobra Kai. Have you been watching that since that's, it was it was on YouTube, but now Steven, it's dropped on Netflix? That, that, was, that was your best thing in the last six months? Oh, you haven't have you watched it? Yeah, I watched every every episode. You thought that was great? Oh, phenomenal! Are you kidding? It's addictive. Then again, okay, I like, like when you watched the original so. movie. Were you like? Were you at a drive-in or at a movie theater, and that was like your no. favorite girl that you were making out with, or something? That's hilarious. No, I just like the characters. I'm a huge fan of Johnny. That's the greatest. He was the I best, was... one of the best bad guys around. And you know, you see. I him mean, now I watched it 50s. all, but yeah. I would say if I watched 25 things in the last six months, I would put it at like 20. All right, so you what do you think, fan? Adrian? All right. Yeah, I want to know what Adrian thinks too. Oh, man. Adrian, what what you, you what do you think about Cobra? Be Kai? honest, Adrian. Well, I, well, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. I know okay. I've been I've told I've been told countless of times to watch it. So I can't be the tiebreaker here. I mean, I watched everything yeah. from Tiger King to Bloodline oh, to Ozark, All American. Dave, did you watch Dave? Oh, that was amazing. No, I I'm Dave. jumping in on Dave because I love Dave. Yeah, Dave's good. No, I like I do like Tiger King. Tiger King is the kind of train wreck you just cannot take your eyes off of each episode. And I mean, it, those were fun. I, I mean, those stupid. were those were yeah. mindless. Yeah. Those were mindless TV. But there's mm-hmm. a lot better stuff than than Tiger King and Cobra Kai. But wait a minute, you're you're the same age. You're about that age. In in '84, yeah, you were I probably like the right movie, around. But you know, yeah, that, that's not riveting TV, Steve. Oh. I'm telling you. Right. <laughs> I hate right. to break it to you. Well, you know what? The good news is for the two of us, we have football now, right? That's, that's, our, right. that's okay. our our opportunity to get away. So that's nice. And I want to talk about that with you because you've right. got four games this week. you got your game of the week, which we're going to talk about as well. So two college, two pro. Let's get it started, Lee. Kansas, Coastal Carolina. Uh, Kansas minus seven. So you tell me. Um, obviously, they either don't think much of Kansas or the uh, or the the odds makers love Coastal Carolina. So Coastal Carolina actually won last year, twelve to seven. It was a snooze fest. But uh, here's the thing: you're going to see Kansas probably play two quarterbacks. Thomas McVittle. He's a senior. He's a transfer from Pitt, and also a junior college transfer, Miles Kendrick. But uh, Maybe the best player on the field here, believe it or not, is going to be running back C.J. Maribel. He ran last year for 148 yards in the game here. Um, Also, here's something that's incredible. Coastal Carolina, the only school in the country that finished 15 spring practices, Kansas, zero. Kansas wins 30-28, to but I'm taking seven points in Coastal Carolina here. All right, I like the fact that it's going to be a much higher scoring game than last year, so I'll, I'll deal with that, too. That sounds good. That takes us to our second game. The Miners traveling to Austin to take on the Longhorns. 42 points is where you have this one at. So how bad are things at UTEP? They went 1-11 last year. The only win was over Houston Baptist. The year before, 1-11, the only win, 30-10 to over Northern Arizona. Their best player might be their kicker. <laughs> it's not good. UTEP does have a game under their belt, but their defense returns only five starters. They lost their top four tacklers from last year. Texas, just they get explosive players at running back, receiver, quarterback, uh, you know, a bunch of JC transfers and kids who, quite frankly, shouldn't be at the Division One level, be playing on defense for UTEP. Uh, Texas beat two much better Conference USC opponents. Last year, Rice 38-13, Louisiana Tech 45-14. And UTEP lost to those two teams combined by 16 and 21 points. Tom Herman, I think he gets the job done. He wants to make a statement here. Remember, uh, UTEP uh, next week, Abilene Christian. So they might, you know, if they get down, why why should you take a chance getting guys hurt? I like Texas big here, 55-7. All right, I picked. I, I was. I thought you would take fifty six. So I was right around that number without <laughs> even knowing. So fifty five seven. Uh, you know what? That's a dominant game, and and they cover. So there right. you go. That's exactly what it would be. All right, let's move it. NFL right now, Lee. New Orleans kicking off against Tampa Bay Saints minus three and a half uh, to start it off. So here's why Tampa Bay was so bad last year. They actually had a pretty good team. Problem was, they just turned the ball over. I mean, when you turn the ball over more than any team in the NFL, and and you go back almost fifty times, you turn it over that much. 
Uh, last time a team turned the ball over so many times, it was the Cleveland Browns team that went 0-16. They stopped the run. Uh, Drew Brees is not the same quarterback that he was a few years ago. Here's a guy, you know, you look at him, he looks the same, but he's 41. He just can't push the ball down the field like he used to. And they get in some third and long situations. I think it spells trouble. I like Tampa Bay. Wrong team's favorite, 27, 23 bucks. All right, so a, so a successful debut for Tom Brady and company. Yep. All right, very nice. Um, and meanwhile, what's gonna, what are they going to do with that running game? you got Leonard Fournette. Uh, I think they're going to rotate guys. I think they'll use Fournette eventually as a starter. He'll play on first and second downs, and then you got Jones on third downs. So that's not, that's mm-hmm. not a, a bad combination there. Not at all. All right, that takes us to the Cowboys and the Rams. Dallas minus three to kick off the season. So the Rams just lost a lot of players. I mean, here's a team, uh, you know, they've just been gutted since two years ago. And, and then on top of that, they lose their defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips. And here's something most people did not look at. The, the special teams coach for the Rams, where did he end up? With the Dallas Cowboys this year. So you don't think he knows the personnel, knows what they want to do. Uh, you don't think he's going to maybe try to find a, a trick play to, to sneak in there that makes a difference here. I think Dallas's offense is going to be really good. They, uh, I mean, you and I could have coached that team last year and they would have done a better job than what happened last year. I mean, they just lacked motivation. Their play calling was terrible. I like Dallas. 31-21 in this game. Okay, so there's the four games this week. So we've got them all down. And in case you're keeping score at home, Lee has Kansas 30-28 over Coastal Carolina. Texas 55-7 to over UTEP. New Orleans falling to Tampa Bay 27-23. And the Cowboys winning 31-21 over the L.A. Rams. And that takes us to the college game and your game of the week. Not to mention at ParamountSports.com, your 2020-2021 early bird football special where uh, the weather behind you looks terrific and i know you've got some uh, some good selections uh, for people that would like to check that out yeah they want to get involved just go to paramountsports.com here's a way they can get involved how about this for free last year we do it every year on fridays we send a free selection go to paramountsports.com on the home page where it says free pick sign up just put in your email every friday we will send you a free selection so uh, with that, what you're going to get is uh, a game that I like a lot. Maybe didn't make the card, but the freebies last year went 12 and five. The year before that, uh, they went 13 and six. So those are the freebies. And if you want to get, how about the games this weekend? I have nine games combined, Saturday and Sunday, just ninety seven dollars. So uh, also check me out on Twitter. I'm always uh, on Twitter during the games. You ever want to DM me during the games? Ask me questions. I'm available. So. A lot of ways to win, ParamountSports.com, or call us here at the office if you also want to get the game of the week. Kansas State and Arkansas State uh, should be a good one in, in, in Manhattan. Just call 800-400-9741. Just do not bring up Cobra Kai on Twitter because it's a sensitive subject uh, for Lee. I can tell already <laughs> after this conversation. That's good. All right. Hey, listen, terrific stuff. And by the way, another recommendation, the last narco on Amazon. Oh, okay. Okay. I heard good so, things about that. So check that out. Uh, check that out as well. All right. Listen, uh, until next week, take care, Lee, and uh, great stuff uh, having you back and kicking it off this year. Can't wait to do this every week. Me too. Take care. Have a great weekend Lee- and be safe. You too. Lee Sterling uh, getting us going here on Sports Talk as we continue uh, on the show. Um, after the comments uh, regarding Cobra Kai, I wasn't even going to bother trying to explain to him about uh, Deion Hankins and uh, Gavin Hardison. I figured, you know what? He'll watch the game. He'll see it himself. And maybe he's right. Maybe Gavin Beckley is the best player on the UTEP team when it's all said and done, Adrian. Yeah, that made me laugh when he was saying that about uh, Gavin Beckley. But hey, I mean, you got Jacob Cowan in the mix, too. He's a he's a prime right. candidate for best player on the minors another good name another good name very true hey jeff erickson coming up next stay with us sports talk continues right after charlie one who's got our first traffic update of our five o'clock hour 20 past the hour back here on sports talk as we continue my apologies yesterday to jeff erickson i had forgotten 
that uh, Jeff was at a doctor's appointment yesterday when we told you he was coming on. But the good news is we have Jeff today on the eve of the NFL season, which will kick off exactly one hour from now. Jeff, of course, uh, covers everything for us uh, for rotowire.com, your premium source for fantasy sports. Welcome back, Jeff. Good to hear from you. How you doing? Doing well. Can't, can't wait for tonight. Should be a lot of fun. I think so, too. Although, I'm bummed to hear the news about uh, a Cortland Sutton because I have him in a bunch of leagues, and already I'm like, can't you at least get hurt on during the first game of the season and not during practice uh, three days before the season kicks off? Right, preferably in the fourth quarter after you've done something, for that matter, yes, too. Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, the news on him is it's a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. Obviously, he'll be questionable. It's a Monday night game. It's the second of the two Monday night games, for that matter, so... Really hard to have a pivot if you're waiting for a game time decision on him. I suppose you, you know, Jerry Judy's obviously drafted somewhere. Uh, you know, so is so is uh, obviously AJ Brown. You're looking at maybe Corey Davis, who's got a hamstring injury of his own. Uh, you're looking, you know, KJ Hamler's hurt too. He's the other rookie that Denver drafted. So they're already kind of you're already kind of thin on options. You almost have to kind of look for something on Sunday or the earlier Monday night game or something already on your own roster, obviously. Are sprained AC joints, generally speaking, an injury that can just get worse and worse? Uh, honestly, this is not my, uh, that's not my uh, area of expertise. I'd Come on, Stefania, you can, you can get it done. Stefania Bell at ESPN or Will Carroll, yeah. the original uh, injury, sports injury, fancy sports injury expert, uh, to turn to them for uh, an, a real an informed opinion on that. All right, fair enough. I, you know what? I had Stefania last week, uh, but so I, I know exactly... Awesome. Yep, absolutely. Terrific. Um, but anyway, uh, tonight, Texans Chiefs, you had Eric Segrist on the website previewing the matchup as uh, Patty Mahomes gets ready to defend the uh, the, the Super Bowl against um, Houston minus uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm so interested to see how that's going to turn out. And I mean, I think KC has the clear advantage uh, tonight, but if you remember correctly, Mahomes was not fantasy gold all of last year. He had his share of clunkers leading into the postseason. Yeah, well, he's coming back from an ankle injury, and I think that's the best way to explain it. Uh, and his offensive line was banged up as well. So if you're not as mobile and your offensive line isn't giving you as much time, not going to do as many magical things. He he got well, the offensive line got well, and we know what happens after that. Uh, the other thing about angle about this game too is, you know, Houston went into Kansas City, beat the Chiefs in the regular season. And then, obviously, we all remember the playoff game. They jumped out to a 21 nothing lead in that one. Uh, rumor has it it didn't end well for them. But, uh, you know, hey, uh, they, they can play there. I don't think they're intimidated by the uh, location. Certainly, no, no fans in the stands will change, it at, you know, change the home field advantage situation, too. There'll be some fans. I think they said there's going to yeah, be about right. 17. I always have a hard time figuring out which team, you know, which games have fans, which won't. But it's not going to be the same. It certainly no. won't be the same atmosphere. No, please. Arrow, Arrowhead. Now, I'm interested, though, what Arrowhead was 17. The only nice thing about Arrowhead was 17,000 tonight will be at least they're not going to have to pipe in crowd noise like everybody else. Right. That's true. And, uh, you know, Arrowhead fans are usually typically crazy loud. Uh, one of those one of those uh, type of places where the crowd noise is always an issue. So it'd be weird. Uh, but I, I just can't wait to see it. We've seen no preseason at all. So yep. just seeing any sort of live football at that level. Uh, will be great. Here we go. Uh, question for Jeff from Johnny Condren out in Chaparral, who did this on the app, by the way. You can always send us your questions on the mobile app, uh, which you can download on any app store, uh, thanks to uh, United Bank powering our app. He wants to know, Jeff, wide receiver, would you go Hopkins and A. Brown over Rieger and Hardman? Yes, on both. Yeah, I, I love Nicole Hardman's long-term upside. Same with Rieger, but you can't use them this week. I don't think you can. I mean, you know, when we last saw Hardman in the Super Bowl, he had two targets. Uh, I love that upside. I think he can change games. But until I see he's clearly ahead of not just uh, – maybe not Sammy Watkins, but at least Demarcus Robinson, I can't start him. Uh, Rieger practiced fully today, so that was good news. That was actually a surprise. He was – yeah, you know, at one point thought to maybe miss three to four weeks. The fact that he's pr- had a full practice today was a big surprise. Meanwhile, Alshon Jeffrey hasn't practiced yet this week. Uh, but again, I, I have a hard time starting, especially. I mean, you look at his alternatives. I mean, those are normal starters for everybody. Very true. 
Now, let me ask you. That's, that's a good point. And they're, and they're good good football players, too. Um, let me ask you this, because I'm always interested in your take on the rookies, okay? If you have rookies drafted in a fantasy league, um, which rookies would you play this week? Uh, I would play the top. Let's see. Uh, obviously, Clyde Edwards, Edwards Hilaire, you're playing if you drafted him. You probably spent a first round pick on him. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I'd play, even though I know he's not listed as a starter. Chances are he's either your second or third running back, which means you're probably playing him, you know, unless you don't have any flex spots in your league. Uh, but against that matchup against Jacksonville, you want him in there. Uh, I would probably play J.K. Dobbins, but it's close. Uh, wide receiver-wise, I'd probably play C.D. Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. They're, they're right around the 40 mark among my wide receivers this week. Uh, th- those are the main guys. I'm trying to think of uh, Antonio Gibson's right on the border there, too. You know, he's not listed as a starter, but obviously uh, the Washington football team parted ways with Adrian Peterson. That's a pretty strong endorsement for Gibson, I would think. Uh, and Cam Akers also is in that, that range, too. Uh, those guys are borderline. We don't know quite what their role is going to be now. We assume it's going to be bigger later, but week one's always kind of tricky. You know, all these teams... Uh, release these depth charts, and we dutifully forward them on and report on them. But almost inevitably, the rookies listed at the bottom of the depth chart. It's just you know, it's just a, the whole. I think it's like a placate the veteran sort of thing. Even though they don't really care that much, I would think. Uh, but you, you know, these guys are going to play. You can spend a high pick on them and then not play them. This question comes in from Popcorn on Twitter. He wants to know, Jeff, do you start Miles Sanders from Philadelphia? Limited practice today. I'm going to need to know what he does tomorrow. But I, the league, I, I have him in one league. My my I, my intent is to go ahead and start him. Yes, but I, I need to see more. Uh, currently, got him ranked at 18th among my running backs in a PPR league. He followed that up with Hollywood Brown or uh, a a Green or AJ Green, huh? AJ, uh, yeah. That's that's also a very good first word problem to have if that's your last receiver to start. I've got Hollywood Brown a couple notches above A.J. Green. The Browns are going to be without one of their top corner covers, Greedy Williams, uh, in this one. So I, I think that's uh, I think something that pushes it in the direction of, uh, of Brown. And the other reason is Green had a hamstring issue in training camp. They, they, there was some suggestion today he might be on a bit of a snap count. Who are your comeback picks this year, guys that did not do well in 2019 that you think have a chance to really rebound in 2020? It's a great question, but Cam Newton would be the top of that list. Barely played at all, and he was awful when he did. Uh, and he's at a position where I think he's got a chance to. It wasn't like his arm was hurt. He broke his arm or anything like that. You know, I like him actually better than Ben Roethlisberger this year because, you know, you know the, the elbow with Roethlisberger, and maybe he said he's been playing with it for a long time and finally got it fixed. That's one way to spin it. The other is, hey, he's coming off uh, something that affects how he throws, and throwing is what he does. Uh, I, you know, obviously, you know, if Cam's foot becomes a problem later on and he's a less mobile quarterback, that hurts his value a lot. But I actually, I'm kind of. He's been off for a long enough time that I think he's recovered, fully recovered. He's my uh, top candidate, I think. All right. Any uh, any running backs you think have a chance to to have a much bigger year this year? Mm, David Johnson, if he can stay healthy, isn't that always the rub? Uh, opportunity will be there tonight for him and throughout the season. You know, he, they traded away Hopkins, and that he was the what the net result of that. So. Bill O'Brien, who is both the coach and the GM, is going to want to have that justified. I agree with you. And as far as uh, receivers go, anybody really uh, having an opportunity to, to break out and, and maybe have just a, a big season? Uh, in terms of a bounce back, uh, that's, that's an interesting uh, – Odell Beckham would be the first choice. Uh, this week isn't great for him at Baltimore. In fact, might be the, you know, the worst set of corners to go up against. Uh, but he's fully healthy this year. He had the sports hernia all of last year. Remember, those reports came out like the last week of the preseason. Oh, he's dealing with a, a, an abdominal soreness or something like that. And it was very vague, and they never really kind of let on how bad it was bothering him because he played through it the whole year. Uh, there were, and there were a lot of other things going on in Cleveland. Notably, the coaching situation was disastrous. That's very true. By the way, so much great content up on the website for you football fans right now. And you can go down and look for the weekly rankings. The week one value meter from Mr. Jeff Erickson, who, by the way, I like the fact you've got Kyler Murray as your cover boy this week. Yeah, uh, he's 
a lot of people are predicting him to be this year's breakout. You know, last two years we've had a second-year quarterback have a big breakout. Pat Mahomes, 2019. Obviously, Lamar Jackson last year. Murray fits that mold. But he's not getting drafted like those two were. Those two were getting drafted in like the 8th, ninth, 10th round in a lot of drafts. Kyler Murray's often the third quarterback drafted. So, But I think he's interesting. I don't like the matchup this week against the Niners, especially because it looks like Nick Bosa will play. Uh, I think that's big for them to get him back. Uh, I, it's not. I'm not really going on a limb there. It's huge for him to get him. Uh, that you know, with that pass rush, they're just a totally different team when he's fully healthy. You have Aaron Jones ranked 12th this week. You know, Aaron Jones has spent a good chunk of 2019 in your top five once he was getting going. So I know there's the talk of uh, splitting running backs in Green Bay more than ever this year, and and I'm going to be interested. A lot of eyes are going to be on Jones to see if he starts off big uh, against Minnesota or if he uh, if he struggles out of the gate. Yeah, that's right. Uh, remember, there's contract talks going on in the background there a little bit. Hasn't been a you know he he's in that same class as Kamara. Mixon, Dalvin Cook, uh, McCaffrey, what a running back class. What an amazing group of uh, running backs to be drafted. He hasn't gotten his yet. He, he's been very quiet about it. He hasn't been pouting. Uh, you know, that's one of the good things is, you know, he hasn't been threatening anything, but it's, it's there. That's an issue. But and it, it seems like there's been some progress in talks there, but, you know, we don't really know what's going on, and that's always kind of a concern in the background. More with Jeff as we keep things moving. We'll switch it up to uh, some baseball talk. And if you have a football question, send it our way. We can still sprinkle it in before we wrap up the segment. But first, here he is, Adrian Broadus, in this Bottom of the Hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Um, here's something really interesting. How about the fact that Mookie Betts is starting at second base for the Dodgers today? Uh, Jeff, this is the position he came up with um, when he was uh, first coming into the big leagues with with uh, Boston, and then they shifted him to the outfield, and he became a star there. But Mookie was originally a second baseman in the minors. Yeah, uh, it's been a really long time since we've seen him there, but I vividly, I, you know, I, I fondly remember the days when he was uh, considered a, uh, you know, a, a nice guy to have as a multi-position player. But uh, I think what I read so far is they just want to be prepared in case they need to use him there. But I mean, he's like yep. a world-class right fielder. You spend a lot of money to keep him. Why? Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'd put him at risk and putting him out of position. It's not like he's playing. You know, he's a foreign player in a foreign land and all that. He might have been spending some time at whatever practice sessions they have doing that, but it seems weird. I don't know if I don't I don't know if I like it. Well, let's put it this way. Gavin Lux has played really, really well as of late since he's come up. He's starting to hit the ball now, hit it with power. Uh, Kiki Hernandez cooled off after that great start. So maybe the Dodgers just want to make sure that if Lux goes cold or something happens, they've they've got at least the potential to fill the void. True. True, but they also have Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez. I mean, they have so yeah. many options. That's one of the beauties of the uh, one of the beautiful things of the uh, uh, the Dodgers is they have so many different guys that they can use in so many different places. Uh, they have all this extra depth. It's pretty amazing. I know uh, Josh Hader is among the best uh, in the game as far as relievers go, but Devin Williams has had such a terrific year with that changeup that even though he's not getting a lot of saves, statistically it, it, his numbers are ridiculous. When you look at strikeouts, giving up so few hits and walks, he's been automatic in relief from Milwaukee. He has. He really has. And you know, it, it's it's a shame that his team hasn't come along with him this year, but uh, you know, it. it he, he's pretty awesome, although it, you know, Corbin Burns certainly has come along. And they, it seems like Brandon Woodruff's pretty awesome. They just Their, their hitting is actually, aside from a, a random game against Detroit yesterday, has been pretty disappointing. No doubt. Uh, that's true. Uh, it was a huge game for them. And how about this? They scored 19 runs and win 19 nothing, and nobody's talking about them because the Braves hung 29 yesterday. I know. It wasn't even the biggest winning margin. Now, of course, the Braves also allowed nine, but still – Kept looking at that game. At one point, it was like 22 days. Like, oh, both teams went for two. Uh, you know, it's just it's the sort of mentality you had to look at there. Uh, but and especially with football starting tonight. Uh, but you know, I have to be. You know, it was just crazy. Although it was disappointing for me. I'm a Marcel Ozuna guy in a couple of leagues. Like, and I was doing a draft, so I didn't really get the chance to see. I just kept on seeing the scores. Like, all right, I'm gonna have a good day out of him. Oh, one for six, really. It was you know, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe some of the bench guys contributed, and that's why he didn't do much, but no, he had six at-bats. What happened here? Come on, join the party. 
<laughs> I wish it was that easy. I really do. Hey, Miami's got some good young arms, don't they? We're seeing right now Sixto Sanchez and Trevor Rogers getting an opportunity, and both are pitching really well for the Marlins. Yeah, and Sandy Alcantara is pitching tonight. Remember, he was a COVID guy, so he's kind of behind everybody here so far. But he 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 really finished the year well last year. You know, pitching is actually kind of interesting for them, aside from yesterday. Poor Jordan Yamamoto, I mean, just destroyed his season. But, uh, you know, they, they do have these interesting names. They trade away Caleb Smith and the Starling Marte deal, but uh, they, they still have Pablo Lopez. Uh, they, they have some good young arms. How do we explain the resurgence of Adam Duvall in Atlanta? Uh, you know, he's always hit for power. You, you know, he had a year where he was an all-star with the Reds where he hit 30 homers. Uh, so we, only, we know that's legit. It's just he's on a heater right now is the way I would explain it. I don't think there's, like, a career development here. I think, you know, maybe there, you know, he's cutting down strikeouts a little bit, but I just think he's, in a, he's just blocked in right now. It wouldn't be something I'd try to bank on for next year. Kind of like what Brad Miller did uh, a week ago when he was just on fire. Right, right. Uh, you know, although Brad Miller, it's interesting. Last year in a in about a two month stretch with the Phillies, he slugged 600. So you know it, he, he's capable of hitting for power. The knock on Miller has always been his defense. He, he's a man without position. Which hey, it's a DH league now. It's okay. Uh, and that and he's often ha- had pretty you know some high strikeout years. That's the other knock on Miller. I think the same is kind of true of Duvall. Though he's a better defender. Uh, but you know strike the the, the controlling the strike zone has always been his issue. Is there anything more disappointing than what uh, the Yankees are doing right now this season? Uh, my Reds. <laughs> or, but that's just, uh, I, I'm, I'm, at least the Yankees are currently in the playoffs right now. But there's a built-in excuse for the Yankees. They've had so many injuries. Uh, and, you know, you can't count on fill-ins to be at that level all the time. Mike Talkman's been okay, but he hasn't been great. Uh, I think losing LeMahieu for a very long time hurt. The big one is just how awful Gary Sanchez has been. I, th- I don't know if it was you that asked me or someone else asked me what to do with Sanchez. I just said write it out. I don't know about that now. I mean, even the Yankees aren't writing it out. No, Sanchez has been a disaster. I don't know what they do with him. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a real dilemma right now. It, it is because he's had stretches like this before, but never like what we're seeing this time around. Right. Uh, he, he looks lost. Uh, you know, he, he was back in there yesterday after a couple of days off, but – uh, you know, funny thing is he's worked on his receiving. He's actually framing framing pitches better now. I think they're running wild against him. But, you know, I, and I almost wonder if all the time spent thinking about his defense has hurt his hitting. Maybe so. Uh, Clayton Kershaw said that extra innings that they're experimenting with this year is not real baseball. What are your thoughts? I don't like it. Um, I understand why they're doing it. I also don't like the seven-inning doubleheaders, but I, I, I completely understand why they're doing that this year. I don't, lo- but I, I, I never did like the extra inning rule. Uh, I know some people have gotten used to it now that we're doing it. Uh, I just think it's gimmicky. It is. That's exactly right. There's a lot of gimmicks this year with baseball, especially expanding the playoffs. That's a huge gimmick. So, right. And a chance to make some extra money. I get that. Well, uh, let's, let's talk it, about the website. It's all tied to that. Let's not. Let's. That's that's yep. that's the real moral of the story here. Uh, Website-wise, I love the uh, Farm Futures Top 400 update from James Anderson because you know how much I love uh, minor league prospects, especially looking forward to next year's Chihuahuas team that we're going to see. But um, let's talk also about uh, everything on the site, especially football-wise as we get ready for the season. Yeah, uh, you know, I've I've got my – you you kind of previewed it earlier. I've got my value meter where I rank players by position for the week. So check that for your stardom, sit questions. Kevin Payne does a free agent article every week. Chris List does a survivor article, a beating the book article, his observations. He's the one that drives our projections. He's driving all of our football coverage. He's the main man with, as far as that goes. Uh, we have in-depth breakdowns of games. You mentioned Eric Segrist's article. I appreciate that. Uh, you guys can check it all out if you want for a free 10-day trial. Rotowire.com slash free. You don't need a credit card. All you need is an email address. Uh, if you don't like it, it just expires. It goes away. Um, you don't have to do anything to make sure it doesn't automatically kick in. It's just a free 10-day trial. So hopefully you like it, and you'll want to subscribe. How about this from Adrian today? This is courtesy of Elias. Uh, first day ever where you get the NFL, MLB, NBA, WNBA, MLS, and NHL all playing on the same day. It's amazing. I mean, that it is really crazy. It's, it's 
the one positive to come out of 2020 so far. No doubt. Talk to you next week. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Enjoy the games. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, Rotowire. We'll come back, wrap up hour two, get you ready for kickoff for Thursday night football in the 2020 season. It's going to happen here on 600 ESPN El Paso.